and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about Stony Brook's greatest detective, Agatha Christie with a K, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Babysitter's Beware by Anne M. Martin. Joining us to discuss Babysitter's Club Super Mystery Number 2 is Courtney Summers, bestselling author of Sadie and the Project. Ah, Courtney, hi! Hi! So excited to be here to talk about my favorite Babysitter's Club book of all time. I'm I'm so excited you're here. I, boy, I need to just like talk myself down a little bit. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> I need to go okay. jump in an icy lake to cool down. From my emotions. Shadow Lake. Uh, Yes, exactly. Uh, Courtney Summers, uh, we've recommended her (laughs) book so many times on this podcast. If you haven't heard of Courtney Summers' books, like you're not paying attention, but it's never too late. Yeah. Go buy one right now. (laughs) Yeah, go buy all of them. We'll wait. Yeah, pause the podcast. Um, So this is our continuing journey through flashback summer 2021. And specifically, what started as Babysitter's Club Month and has turned into Babysitter's Club Summer. You know what? There's hundreds of these books. Podcast listeners are lucky that we don't just convert into a Babysitter's Club podcast. Well, I mean, we have to do Nora Roberts books sometimes. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Lucky. I I mean, I... Can't you start a side gig? Like, that's come on. Actually, I I keep like acting as if people will be disappointed that we keep doing Babysitters Club, but we mostly have been hearing enthusiasm, which is nice. Thank you, everyone. You're the best, and you guys are the best, so it makes sense that it should work so well. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh, I okay. <laughs> we have to talk about Babysitters Club, but I just have to like gush about Corny Summers because yeah. if you've listened to. You know, if you know anything about my taste in reading, you know that I, like, you, the listener, know that I tend not to, like, horror, and, like, I really (laughs) do not like zombies, and, but Courtney Summers wrote a zombie book, and I read it, because I was just like, well, I just have to read everything Courtney writes, and it it was, yeah, like, I mean, truly, that's the highest, like, accolade I can give to you, is, like, I read a zombie book for you, and it was good, like, it was a really good book, it's, Yes, it's called This Is Not a Test. And if you like <laughs> zombies, you should read it. But even if you don't, you should read it. If you hate them, you absolutely should read it. <laughs> Boy. Anyway. I'm putting that in my bio line. That you liked it. Yes, that I loved it. on my list. <laughs> yeah, like Courtney, I, I got like trapped into reading Courtney's books because her, her first ones are much more in my wheelhouse of uh, like, you know, I, I love a teen mean girl book. And I was like, great. Right. But then it was like you, it was like drugs. And now I'm addicted. And now I'll read all of them. <laughs> but like, but it's good. But, it, you know, <laughs> it's I'm, good. I'm, I'm happy with this. This is perfect for me. Definitely. I don't know what it's doing to you emotionally and mentally, but I You know happy. what? You know what? It's hard actually. <laughs> I suffer. <laughs> I suffer I'm- just like the babysitters club when they're being stalked and harassed in this book. That segue. was such a good segue. That was so good. I want it just a minute. Listen, I can you hear <laughs> Thank was- you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, Courtney, you you said this was like your all time favorite babysitters club book. You've said yes. it was foundational. Um, and Kate, I know you read a lot of the babysitters mysteries too. 
Uh, I never, when I was a kid, I think I read like one Babysitter's Club mystery by accident because it was like in with the other ones. And I was like, oh, I don't care for this. Like I would prefer them just to be babysitting. <laughs> like these girls did it all. That's true. They did. But I, you know, I, I'm not a big, as I've just stated, like, see, this is what I'm saying. Like for the Babysitter's Club, I wouldn't even read scary things, but I will read them for you, Courtney. <laughs> So anyway, this is this particular one and these mysteries are not a particular flashback for me, but I don't know. Could you guys talk more about the Babysitter's Club mysteries in general these are the before super we get into this mysteries, one? Though. Yeah. Like this is the big deal mysteries. This is like the culmination of of uh, you know, like those little mysteries becoming bigger. <laughs> yeah, because there, there were that. callbacks. There were callbacks, like other m- mysteries that they'd previously solved, but I hadn't read those ones. It's true, and I like. I know that. So prior to the mystery, if you're un- if you're somehow still listening to the podcast this summer and <laughs> are unfamiliar with Babysitters Club and want to continue <laughs> to be enlightened about Babysitters Club, sometimes prior to the mystery series, the babysitters would solve mysteries. Uh, and those were always my favorite. And then when I found out they were coming out with a line of books where they just solved mysteries, mm-hmm. I almost like shifted my babysitter's reading to those instead. Like I still <sighs> would pick up the other ones from the library, but with my right. like allotted, I can buy X amount of Babysitter's Club books. They're almost all mysteries. And I just, because that's, I mean, surprise for everyone listening to this if it's your first day i like a mystery i like a murder <laughs> i like a ghost i like a bunch of scrappy teens solving a mystery so these were some of these two in particular um christy and the haunted mansion and abby and the secret society i must have read dozens of times oh over and over and over again they spoke to me deep within my soul I love it. I should say, when you mentioned um, that there were previous mystery ones, even earlier this summer, we read uh, Claudia and the Middle School Mystery. And when Susan wrote to us and said, can we do this one? I was oblivious. And I was like, oh, we're doing the Babysitter's Mysteries in a different episode. And Kate was like, oh, that's not actually in the Babysitter's Mystery imprint. That's just a regular mystery. And I was like, You're okay. embarrassing us both right now. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but that that was a mystery that they solved, actually. The mystery yeah. of why Stony Brook Middle School doesn't have qualified teachers. <sighs> you know, they had to get a taste for it. Then it became a regular thing. And then it became yeah. super. Which yeah. is, I think, like, the only thing that was different from the super... It's, you know, the multiple perspectives and the big, bigger... Yeah, like, like yeah. the non-mystery like the super, super specials. specials. Yeah. yeah. But, like, just right in my wheelhouse. The Babysitter's Club Super Mystery was... I did a... Babysitter's Beware, I did a book report on it on in the fourth grade. <laughs> oh. um, I pitted it against Goosebumps, Night of the Living Dummy. And I was like, which one is scarier to my class? And my case was... It's the Babysitter's Club, which is totally unexpected because these things could actually happen in, to you in real life. Like someone that is not stable who like wants to avenge something that you did to them. They could come and terrorize your life. Like it's like a home invader nightmare. It's just very <laughs> scary. And I was like, and dummies that are alive, ventriloquist dummies don't exist. And so I did a poll and Goosebumps won and I'm like, you're all fools. <laughs> I was so disappointed. And I think I only got a B on that 
assignment, <laughs> even though I did all the, like, I did my various parts of the book report in the Babysitter's Club handwriting and everything, which cool. like, that should have been an A-plus alone. <laughs> Do you but, still have this? Oh, it's got to be somewhere. It was you so, should, it was, You should scan it. This sounds so precious. It was so good. And I was so mad because I'm like, you, you, none of you people are afraid enough for real life yet. Like, I don't know what hasn't happened to you that you're not scared of these things. <laughs> And it, it was just like the pathway to like my love of horror. I couldn't like, I wouldn't have thought I'd trace it back to Anna Martin, but here we are. <laughs> By the way, yeah. I want to say this one, some of the Babysitter's Club books don't specifically identify their ghostwriters. And this one did. And her name's Nola Thacker. I was and I looked her-, her up too. Yeah, she also ghost wrote Michelle Kwan's series. Like, she had like a, a chapter book series. I'm like, oh, Nola Thacker's just a winter sports enthusiast. She's <laughs> getting them all in. on Claudia and Abby there. <laughs> yes, yes. It's funny because I'm thinking now, like, I always. I talk all the time about how I'm dead inside because nothing <laughs> horror really scares me anymore. Um, and I'm wondering now if maybe it was all of the Unsolved Mysteries and Datelines in 2020s I watched when I was like seven. So I was like, oh, well, murders are real and scary and ghosts aren't real and can't kill me. So they're not as scary to me. And also now I'm desensitized towards the horror of murders happening. <laughs> Who raised us? <laughs> Robert Stack, apparently. <laughs> you would have been better off in the hands of the Babysitter's Club. They would have protected you. I mean, I they don't know a lot of mysteries themselves. They never yeah, died if, or it, anything, though. Yeah, and if you were Relatively a child, solved. they would have protected you. Yeah, that's true. And entertained you with their kid kids. Except for Jesse, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, in my notes here, Jesse... It talks about her kid kit and she says offhandedly that it has an office theme. Yeah, like that's not fun. I, 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 when I was a kid, I left school and I wanted to leave school at school, and now it's like, I don't know what's in that office supply kit, like a stapler. Like, <laughs> I know I thought about that, but then I was like, when I was a kid, though, I did actually really like, uh, you know, paper clips and stuff. Like, I like the idea of having a tidy little desk. This is what I was doing instead of uh, reading about murders was just like organizing my files. The office industrial <laughs> complex got you. <laughs> so at first I was skeptical, but I've talked myself into thinking Jesse's kid cut is good, actually. <laughs> You're loving that. <laughs> So do we want to get into this book and what it contains, the mystery therein, or mysteries, plural, actually? Yeah, mysteries, yeah. plural. It went wild with the red herrings and the unresolved things. I think it was a setup for Super Mystery number three, which we did happen, but it should have been a direct sequel. Mm. Yes. Well, we'll get to it when we talk about that, because yeah. I didn't look this up, but I, I do want I do have follow-up questions that perhaps you two can answer. I'll get Anne M. Martin on the line. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll patch her in. God, the dream. So this one opens. They all, they always, these super specials always open with like a short little prologue or forward from one of the babysitters. And this one is Christy deciding that partway through this mystery that it made sense that the club have a mystery notebook the same way they have a club notebook so they could keep track of all of the mysteries that they solve because Stony Brook is so hard up. Yes. Can we just like pause for a minute and just be like, these girls are 13 years old. 
They run this town. <laughs> they run this yeah. town. They solve the town's mysteries. They've been in so many mysteries. They now have a dedicated notebook. There are Stony Brook police detectives who are like, ah, yes, these 13-year-olds, my reliable man on the street to help me solve all of these crimes. <laughs> they would call the cops and be like, well, how's it coming, Joe? Like, <laughs> and the cops would answer them. I was like, I know. What? The Babysitter's Club Mafia? Like, <laughs> uh, Well, Christy, I think, especially comes off as like a mob boss because I, right? I pulled this quote. I decided to persuade everybody to think back and write up the incidents that marked the beginning of the mystery. I can be very persuasive. We now yeah, have... <laughs> yeah. <Sorry. laughs> well, just the end of it was, I can be very persuasive. We now have a ba- Babysitter's Club mystery notebook. Just like, and done right and done, is, Christy. Like, that's why that's why Stacy left the club, which was also touched on when she came back to the cult, but she got out for a while. Have you read that one where she leaves the club? She's like, I just don't want to babysit and like change diapers all the time. And Christy's like, die. <laughs> I do. I do remember that one. It was like Stacy's new friends or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then she comes back to this super mystery and she very nearly loses her life. <laughs> so Stacy was right all along. That's my thesis yeah. for every babysitter's club book. Stacy was right. <laughs> Stacy is wise and sophisticated. I love her so much. She's my favorite. She's just everything I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> She's a cool New Yorker. You're a Canadian. It's very yeah. Different. <laughs> no, my God, yes. <laughs> Um, so this one, it does, so it opens with, with Christy being like, we need a mystery notebook because we 13-year-old girls solve so many mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then segues into the mystery in question, uh, where we find out from Christy that her family is taking a trip up to Shadow Lake, where her rich stepfather, Watson, owns a cabin that has enough beds to <laughs> sleep the whole babysitter's club and also her giant family. and. Yeah. Yeah, a cabin with multiple dorm rooms with like twelve right. bunk beds on them. Like, oof. Yeah. Rich, rich. They didn't say mansion. Like, Chrissy, I love how Chrissy's like, yes, we live in an actual mansion, but we'll call the second mansion a cabin <laughs> just to keep ourselves relatable. I do feel like that is what rich people do. Like, their their second homes are always like a cabin or like the lake house or the cottage, and then you're like, oh, this has twelve bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Christy has extended the offer to go up to Shadow Lake to all of the club. Uh, unfortunately, Mallory can't come and she's real annoyed about it because the last Thank time they went God. up to Shadow Lake, she got really sunburned and bug bitten and had a miserable time. So she was looking forward to going in the winter, but her family is installing installation. So she has to babysit her siblings and she's very put out about it. Extremely. I think that like Anna Martin forwarded notes to the ghostwriters that were like, we hate Mallory. Okay. Like, <laughs> just remember that. If you forget everything else, Mallory sucks. Mallory has no rights. <laughs> no, she, away. She, did a, she did an interview and she felt like she's like, I hated Mallory and I didn't care about Dawn. I was like, wow. <laughs> I love it. Well, we've talked before in the podcast about how Mallory is so relatable for a lot of like us internet Twitter users. Like Mallory would have a That's Tumblr. That's why we hate her. We see sure. ourselves in her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but then the the true self acceptance is coming around to understand your inner Mallory. I refuse 
And this trip, Mallory's covered in insulation. I think it was my friend Jen, who was, I think, on our very first Babysitter's Club episode, who once shared with me the the enduring wisdom that most people who think they're a Marianne were actually a Mallory. Mm. I never thought I was either. Oh, thank God. That would have been a horrible <laughs> revelation to have here and now. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. The palpable relief. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so Mallory, Mallory's not coming. Jesse can't come either because she needs to babysit with Mallory. But Abby, Stacy, and Claudia can come. So they're gonna come along on this trip. Abby is a noted sports enthusiast. She's very excited <laughs> about skiing and all of the other winter outdoor things. Claudia also apparently was very into skiing, as we discover. During right this then. book, I can't remember if it ever came up before. <laughs> I can't either. Well, I looked in the Babysitter's Club wiki, and I guess there's some other book where she mentions it. But it really seems out of character for Claudia to be a skier. And she's so nasty about it, and then they never resolve it. Like, they just, I don't know. Like, what is this going to keep coming up between them? Unless Abby saves Claudia's life? Like... Yeah, Babysitter's no- Club, Super Mystery 10, Babysitter's at the Winter Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on from it, I do want to say right out in the very beginning of this of this book, they flash back a little bit to Karen's ghost, Ben Brewer, when Christy <laughs> casually mentions like, oh, all these people are in my family and live in our mansion. And then also Ben Brewer, the ghost. And I was like, I know him. <laughs> ben! <sighs> Also notably in the Christie's family monologue is that Watson has had a, her stepdad has had a heart attack recently ish in the BSC canon and Christie's still worried about him and worried that he is going yeah. to like overdo it and have another heart attack and die. But Christie has like notably, I don't know, taken after her original father with an inability to communicate anything in a healthy way. <laughs> so she's like a complete freak about it. <laughs> yeah. Bless her. Yeah, she's very intense. <laughs> yes, she is. Which is the way that Christy does everything in her life is just like with intensity. She's so type A. I don't know. Like, I shouldn't be hard on her. I'm also type A. I, I'd probably be Christy if I had to be anyone. Just like rule with an iron fist. <laughs> After Christy, we move on to chapter two, which is the typical Babysitter's Club chapter two from Jessie's perspective. She gives the usual, one night Christy's mom couldn't find a babysitter <laughs> spiel. And introduces all of the, uh... (laughs) I've got two notes about this. Can I show Mm -hmm. them? Please. Okay, the first is when she's like, our success isn't all due to organization. We, We can also congratulate ourselves on being very, very good at what we do. And then she says, I'm not bragging, just stating a fact. We wouldn't be successful if we weren't good, would we? And I was just like, what a great behavior to model Snaps. to like yes. young kids reading this. And I realized like even through the book, there's like various comments like that where they're like, we're good at what we do. And it's not bragging because it's just true, which is like amazing. <laughs> I bet Nola Thacker learned that from Michelle Kwan. <laughs> it's like a circle game here. <laughs> and then it's when she describes Claudia's outfit. And she has a shirt that says, this might be art on it. Yes, that she made. amazing. That is the best thing I've ever heard. I'm going to make that shirt. I was just going to, yeah, you should make it. They should make them widely. But in true Claudia fashion, I guess you should make your own. Yeah, like put some effort into it. I'd rather buy it like Stacy. 
but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not honoring Claudia. But it was like modern now. Like that would pass now for an outfit. Well, all of Claudia's outfits are so ridiculous. They're timeless. You know? Yes. I love them. Iconic. Jesse also says that Christy one day will be a CEO or congresswoman. And that's like, such yes. a misread. Well, do you think so? Yeah, well, or mob boss. Do you think she could be like um like a lady Ted Lasso though? Like just not as nice. I can see that too. What if she was like a Rebecca? Yeah, running the club. I do. I feel like she would be more like a Rebecca. I feel like her her need for as much as she loves sports and sporty things, I feel like it's really that like entrepreneurial spirit that really guides Christy. She'd, yeah. she'd hire Ted with the actual intent of helping, not, like, to burn down the club. Yes. Yeah. I just think she'd hate politics so much, like, in all the red tape. That's true. You're right. Like, I think Christy truly would be a better dictator. Yes. But yes. Yeah. Like, I think she has the ability to lead, but perhaps not to campaign. Work with other people or campaign. Yeah. 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 Listen to the concerns. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, she doesn't need to listen. She already knows them. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, God, we've solved that. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the book, um, we flash forward a couple days, and Abby and Christy are walking to a babysitters club meeting from a school committee meeting where they had to talk about the sports program. And Abby had um, some kind of dog in the fight, but she convinced Christy to come and express her opinions too, because it's very easy to talk Christy into going anywhere <laughs> to express her opinions. Shady. This is also a little bit sweaty that they had to be like, and they had to go to this meeting and this, and they had to wear name tags because it was, you know, there were yeah. parent volunteers there, and so they were still wearing name tags. So it's really just like three pages of like reading Christy for being uh, chatty and opinionated, and then also they were wearing name tags. Yes. By the way, we were identifiable in case someone in Stony Brook doesn't know who we are, the Babysitter's Club. When they're right by the Radowski's house, they hear glass breaking and they realize that someone has broken into the house next door. So they bang on the Radowski's door to ask to call the police. And as they... Before the police come, or maybe before they knock on the Radowski's door, someone barrels out of the house and runs right past them, and they're wearing a ski mask, mm-hmm. but Classic. they they look right at them, and they realize they're wearing name tags. Yes. Yes. That's what those things were for. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the first time we learned that the police, and the first time in this book anyway, that the police are like, oh yeah, Christy, we know you. Yeah. <laughs> This again? <laughs> I just want to hear what they say about those girls at this station, you know? You know, it's like, is, is it with any kind of fondness or is it like it's your turn? You pick up the phone. <sighs> I mean, here's the thing is like cops suck. So they probably don't like the babysitter's club. Yeah. Whereas like reasonable, cool adults probably do like them. That's true. I That's don't think true. any reasonable, cool adults live in Stony Brook, though. That is also uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Come up against a lot of things here. Wow. <laughs> I mean, these cops obviously suck because they they didn't solve the mystery. They did not yeah. solve. I mean, they, and they were practically handing them the clues. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. You all the clues, Mr. Policeman. <laughs> 
sign the, the BSD. Um, the <laughs> other thing I want to highlight from this chapter is previously we've talked about how Abby and Christy are in love. And in this, from Abby's point of view, we see that they're racing to the meeting and Abby's like, I can tell Christy's in a bad mood, so I'm going to let her win because that'll make her feel better, even though I'm fast enough that I could have won the race. And I was like, yes, you're in love. Yes, God. very true. Pro that, yes. <laughs> so at the the meeting, they tell everyone what happened and why they're a little late. And everyone's like, oh my God, we're excited about the crime that you were involved with. I, okay, I actually have to read this <laughs> full dialogue because it's wild. <laughs> I'll, for Abby, I'll give you a clue. It would be a crime not to tell you what happened. Claudia caught in first. Crime! You're involved in a crime. No way, shrieked Mal. That's great. That's, that's guys, guys. <laughs> Listen, just because somebody responds with that's great when someone says they've been involved in a crime doesn't mean that they're weird. Sometimes you just spend a lot of time watching and listening to and reading murder stuff. You know what it does? It establishes the Babysitter's Club little safety bubble of the idea that they'll always solve a crime and they'll always be okay. And then this book shows them that their actions have consequences. You can't actually just be a good person in this world. Sometimes you'll make someone so mad they'll try to kill you. (laughs) So that's some literary stuff right there. Oh, this is uh, this is why we need you here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this chapter also introduces Abby and Claudia's Claudia's skiing rivalry, which <laughs> seemed really weird and seemed especially out of character for Claudia. And uh, we talked about, this, but basically, I guess in a previous book at some point, Claudia mentioned that she's great at skiing, and Abby's like, "I'm so good at skiing. I can't wait to go on like the Black Diamonds." Blah blah blah. <laughs> By the way, have any of you ever, have either of you ever been skiing like no. in real life? Wore a pair of skis in my backyard once, so Ooh. yes. No. <laughs> okay, yeah, I never have, but I feel like in my children's literature, they were always going skiing. Like I feel like I know that a black diamond is the scariest trail because I've read about it in so many like chapter books. But I've never been <laughs> on one. I've never been near one. I think so. I've never been skiing, but where I grew up, there are enough mountains, and I guess moderately wealthy people that there was a ski club at my high school Wow! Um, and like a lot of people did there were a lot of like areas that you could go skiing in a rather short drive from where I grew up so it could be a that could be a thing of just a midwestern thing too Renata I mean I also obviously have never been skiing but I I am aware that these things I was aware that these things were happening and existed to other teens like me and then, of course, we we grew up with the Olympics and stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then there was also like those video games on Windows where you skied. I have played Ski Free. I have got eaten yeah. by a Yeti. Yeah, <laughs> which which spoiler does not happen in this book. There's no Yeti. They could have added one though, and it wouldn't take anything away from it. <laughs> Maybe it's in the next mystery. <laughs> you notice the- that Abby like never like Claudia is like cold. She's like not happy, and it's very obvious. And Abby's like meh. She never gets it. Abby's just like, whatever, I accept you. Yeah, Abby's like, 
Abby notices that Claudia seems weird, but she's just like, oh, that has nothing to do with me, me and my great skiing skills. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it should be clear when we say rivalry. What is happening is Abby, who is normally obsessed with sports anyway, is talking about how much she loves skiing and sports and the outside, and she can't wait to go skiing. And Claudia is getting increasingly angry for reasons that she does not express to anyone. It's like, you mm-hmm. going through something, Claudia? And Claudia won't admit it out loud because it's ridiculous. Someone yeah. else skis. And I'll point out, too, that, like, all of the rest of the club members are also confused. It takes them a long time to realize why Claudia is upset as well. So it's not just us who thinks that it's weird that Claudia is super into skiing all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like, no, what is the ghostwriters? Nola? Nola? Yeah, Nola. No. Like, she was trying to cover all bases. Like, this exists, but <laughs> I'll make sure, like, it's plausible so nobody else knew it existed except for Claudia. This is a red herring so that we think that maybe it's Claudia who's the murderer because she's so jealous. <laughs> like they need an inside babysitter to take this club down. <laughs> it's the only way it'll happen. So um so they they talk about the crime, they talk about what they're going to do about the crime. They talk about going to Shadow Lake. And then um, the next day at school, Marianne gets a note in her locker and it looks like it's in Logan's handwriting, but it just says stop crying. (laughs) And she's very confused. (laughs) She's like, I wasn't even crying except over the weekend when I watched a sad movie, but Logan wasn't even there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No one even was watching the movie with me. So no one knew I was crying at the movie. It's almost like she's like, I have like a little crying room with no windows. So no one could have seen it. Like, (laughs) It's so expensive. She was really like, she was like weirdly, I don't know, like if I got a note like that, I'd just be scared all the time. She's just like, Logan mad at me and why would I ask him? Yeah. That threatening, menacing thing. And she's like, I can clear this up, but I won't. Yeah, like, I feel like, especially because it's such a non sequitur, that I feel like I would go to my partner and be like, what? What? Yeah. What? You yeah. have a problem with me and my crying? Like, did you did you like forget to write the rest of this scent? I <laughs> are we getting a divorce? Like, you guys are forgetting that one of Marianne's two defining characteristics is shy, though. <laughs> but the whole thing, like, she was so like okay. But look at everything else she does in this book. Like, she's yeah. not too shy to like crawl under a doggy door and break into it. We'll get to that. But she's like. Logan, the most trustworthy and like, um, who does he look like? Who is the celebrity again? Is it? It's not Cam. Cam Geary. Cam Geary. Yeah, like this Cam Geary. Like he's such a perfect boy, except I can't talk to him at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's just like middle middle school dating. Yeah, that's though. true. Yeah, I mean they can't talk to Christy either. Like, there's no communication in this club actually. Yeah, they just happen to say things that land with each other. <laughs> yeah, although it's funny because in previous books we've been talking about how they they actually are very good at communicating, but it's just like the aura of this mystery has pressing yeah. has been pressing down it's on plot them. Plot dependent communication. Yeah, we should just accept this. This is That's like fair. yeah. I guess. Yeah, because you know, in in the nice no mystery babysitting books, they have to communicate and get along. But here right. we need chaos to thrive. Yes, absolutely it's true. Um, so also that same day, I believe it was that same day, uh, Marianne gets a call at night and it's Christy. And this Christy has called up. her because someone is breaking into the house. That was um, legit scary. That was yes. like, can yeah. you just like, you can just imagine. 
I don't know. It just sounds like something you watch on what were we talking about? Unsolved mysteries before we started recording. <laughs> like it is like someone calling their friends and how someone's broken in. You hear the glass break, except like they get to the house and the babysitter would be gone. But obviously Anna Martin wasn't that hardcore. So <laughs> he lived. But it, I mean, even like, so Christy calls and is like, someone's breaking into my house. And then Christy hangs up and then Marion calls the police and the police are like, oh, yeah, someone else called about that house. Which, again, the police are constantly saying things that I feel like they should not be telling people. But Or the 911 <laughs> But they don't want to deal with the babysitters. They're like, oh, yeah. just tell them if they want to know. <laughs> if we're lucky, they'll run into the crime scene and we won't have to deal with them. Like, <laughs> it's just a – God. It, it was scary. It, wait, is that the – I'm looking at the notes, but, like, is that when she sees – Yeah, that's when she sees someone standing outside her window. Yes. Like, yes. all this is happening at once. And it's all scary. Like, because she's the, the – I remember reading this because when I get scared, my eyes water. They just, like – it's not, like, uh-huh. legit crying, but, like, they just scream tears. And that's when I know I'm really scared. I remember reading this in, like, the fourth grade. And, and when Marianne's, like, I can see someone outside. And then she realizes, oh, my light's on. They know that I can see them. They're watching me watch them. And I don't know who they are, but I know they're there. I was like <gasps> – it was the scariest thing to me. And I was just reading that like tears. Poured, like, And it was a Marianne chapter. My God. It's kind of beautiful. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to share that. It was traumatizing. And I loved yes. it. I was like, this is amazing. This is why Slappy isn't scary. <laughs> so it, it turns out that someone was not necessarily breaking all the way into Christie's house. But they did throw a rock or a brick <laughs> or something through a window with the note on it that said, or no, they, they spray painted, they threw a rock through the window and they spray painted the front door and said, you're next. So that was, so that was very upsetting to both Christie and Marianne. And then Marianne sees this guy outside her window and it's even more upsetting. But the next day she goes to the mall with Stacy and Claudia who are helping her buy a new outfit so that she can go to a football banquet with Logan and afterwards they go to Claudia's house and she and, feels watched too. Yes. Yeah. She feels like someone's watching her, but she doesn't see anyone around. So when they're at Claudia's house afterwards, they're getting ready for dinner and someone smells something burning and they realize that the house, like they go into the kitchen, they see that there are flames outside the back door and that someone has set the house on fire. So they yell for Janine and they all go outside and call the fire department. And it turns out that someone has set a bunch of garbage cans covered in like oily (laughs) rags on fire right outside the back door. And if they hadn't stopped it, it could have burned the whole house down. Like, okay. I get like the menacing threat, but like if you're that close to the house, just set it on fire. Yeah. I mean, not that I want that to happen. I'm just like, if you're already there and you're going to, yeah, just do it. Come on. Uh, this is also the point where they call Janine to get Janine to to leave the house so that she doesn't get burned up in the fire. And Janine is very concerned about her computer. I wonder if like kids today would be like understanding like how big a computer back then would be. Like Janine's not sitting at a laptop. She's going to have like a big giant computer that makes screaming noises when you'd connect to the internet. That's a great point. Yeah. It really would feel life or death. <laughs> Especially for Janine. She works so hard. She really does. This fire happens and they immediately were like, okay, so there's weird things happening. So we saw a crime. So someone <laughs> threw a window, threw a brick through Christie's window. Someone set Claudia's house on fire. Could it be Cokie Mason? 
our rival <laughs> who sometimes like is mean to us could she be an arsonist and i'm here to tell you that i do think that there's some sociopathic tendencies in koki mason and i would not be surprised if she became an arsonist later in life but it that's, does seem a little heavy for this book that's the courtney <laughs> summer's novel i want to read <laughs> That, like, oh, bring out the babysitter's club so I can write that exact one, please. <laughs> the, the BSC movie in 95, like, Koki was perfectly cast and her little henchmen. I mean, they could have done this if they wanted to. They were just busy that weekend. <laughs> it was only Carl Tate because it couldn't be Koki Mason. Uh, uh, so they, they're all at, at – was it a babysitter's – I think it's a babysitter's club meeting the next time, the next day. They're all talking about this. And yeah, they're talking about how Claudia's house still smells like smoke from the arson. And that they think it's weird that the the crime that they saw was not reported in the police blotter in the newspaper. Yes. After everything. Marianne is like, you read the police reports in the newspaper? And Abby says, sure, doesn't everybody? I, <laughs> I mean, relatable. She's, she's a little like, she's like the more chill Christy. Like, she would have gone around to a dedicated notebook eventually. Mm hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's entertaining and it's not business yet. <laughs> but also, why are they in that smoky smelling house when Abby has 100 allergies and like severe asthma? That's a good point. That's very yeah. considerate. Well, although maybe it's because, so this chapter is from Claudia's point of view, so it confirms that she is very jealous about Abby's ski bragging. <laughs> so maybe this is intentional sabotage. <laughs> we did say that Claudia could have been a red herring. And in <laughs> retrospect, it's really lined up. <laughs> Uh, and then at the babysitter's club meeting, they pick up the phone and they get just a creepy call that says, you're next. And that's it. I love the brevity. <laughs> you know, nothing fancy. That's what makes it scary. Just yeah. next for what? Not a job. <laughs> Death. Ne- next for getting a weird note in your locker that says, stop crying. Or your house <laughs> burned down. That's, I love like the, he, the range. Like, fabulous. <laughs> you could either get a note or you could literally burn alive. Yeah, we, we have. Yeah, we do it all. <laughs> uh, so the other, so the a bunch of the babysitters club members start getting weird crank calls. Uh, specifically, Christy, Marianne, Claudia, and Stacy. Yeah, yeah. Stacey. eventually. Yeah, if yeah. Not then soon. Yeah, just the just the OGs. Yes. Wait. So there was like a there was graffiti, right? Your next graffiti. Like, why didn't Watson hire someone? Like. <laughs> To watch, like, as a millionaire, maybe he has enemies. Like, I'm surprised a lot of things could have been happening here that weren't mine. (laughs) Like, you know, he didn't get rich on his own metal. He he probably stole someone's idea. He probably invented Facebook and has some college (laughs) friend that hates him. Like, I just don't understand why they didn't touch on that at all. Yeah, Watson's dark secrets. Oh my gosh. It wasn't really like a heart attack. (laughs) I'm going off on a tangent about Rich Watson. (laughs) Well, Watson doesn't have any tattoos, so. Oh, that's true. Which is a clue. Also, this I love. So Christy calls the police and be like, hey, why wasn't this break-in reported in the newspaper? And the police are like, well, 13-year-old, uh, he didn't press any charges. And uh, he explains the. Yes. Yeah. So he explains uh, the the victim of the break-in was Mr. Seeger. He explains that Mr. Seeger said, no, it wasn't a break-in. I broke my own window when I was pruning a tree. <laughs> and Christy's like, 
A, we saw the guy run out and like get in his car. And B, I'm the daughter of a master gardener, Watson. And I know that this is not tree pruning season. <laughs> right. And then, but the, the best part about that is that it's not like Christy has to like go out of the way, be like, I know it's not tree pruning seasons because I'm surrounded by all these horticulturalists or whatever. But like later, Mallory's like, and the tree was like 500 feet away. and also and Chrissy also mentions her grandma who we previously have seen Karen Brewer crash the gardening club of to accuse them of witchcraft so (laughs) Christy is descended from gardeners and witches (laughs) it's all that healthy bragging it's not bragging it's facts (laughs) so Jessie also at this point brings up that her sister saw someone in town who had a blue tattoo and she remembered the counterfeiter that they put in jail had a blue tattoo. So maybe <laughs> that's related somehow. This is another time where I was like, yeah, sure, I guess they did that. But I definitely didn't <laughs> read that book. <laughs> like the amount of mysteries they recall. It's just like, and again, I want to say they are 13 years old. Was it the counterfeiter? Was it the dog napper? Was it the crazy? Like, it's just, there's, there's so many things to pick from and so many- why do people want to live there? Like, I mean, is it for the babysitters? Like, it's like a crime capital of America, but you can get reliable babysitters. But the crime's all very chill. There's not a lot of murders and rapes. It's all like art theft and phantom phone calls. Are you saying that there are no victims in art theft? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I tried to buy a burger with my counterfeit dollars at the Stony Brook McDonald's. And you know what happened to me? They kicked me out. come back next week on the baby stars club solve the gardener museum heist (laughs) (laughs) the documentary that will crash netflix (laughs) gosh i'm so ready for it so they uh, this is the point where christy's like there's too many clues we need to start a mystery notebook and mallory's like okay well i'll actually make the notebook Um, so he's like here's some money Yes. Got each other so covered. So they go to the next day, a bunch of them go to the library and they have Shannon come with them, who is, if you are unfamiliar with the Babysitter's Club, one of the associate members. She lives in Christie's new Richie Rich neighborhood. And at first she and Christie hated each other, but then they became friends. And now she sometimes takes jobs for the babysitters. And Christie's dog is named after Shannon. Yes. Who is like Astrid's puppy, which is Shannon's dog. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so they're practically like family. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- <laughs> Shannon- I say, like, we didn't need the Shannon and Logan chapter. It's not going to be like controversial here. We didn't need them. <laughs> they could have been told from anyone else's perspectives. I know it was a super special, but was anyone really missing Shannon or Logan? I'm never missing Logan, to be honest. No, no, no. He's so nah. boring. Yes. Yeah. So Shannon goes to the library with them and they do some research on Mr. Seeger and they find out that he's a member of the Better Business Bureau and has been for the Stony Brook Business Business Bureau and is in good standing and has been for a while. And they also find that somebody had taken, they had gone through the microfiche and taken a printed out an article about the babysitters after they stopped the counterfeiting ring. By the way, because it's the 90s, they didn't even print it out. They left a photocopy in the trash. Yes. The best part about it is that 
Abby found it in the trash and it wasn't even on the top of the trash. She's like, I was just digging through the trash. I want to see what creepy things people are <laughs> like, uh, photocopying. And she's like, and I found our pic- your picture. Abby and also, is so weird and so unselfconscious <laughs> about it. And I love it. It's so great. And then, and the picture we should know didn't have Mallory or Jesse in it. It was for the dog napping. Oh, the dog napping. That's what it was. Yeah, not the counterfeiting. They, yeah. And they, it didn't have Mallory and Jesse's picture in it because they got cropped out of the crime solving. So there's another potential clue Mm -hmm. because they're not targeted they're just innocent 11 year olds who are like (laughs) tainted by their association to these girls that (laughs) knowing them could get them killed at any time (laughs) but only indirectly at this point so the next chapter is mallory babysitting for the rodowskis for next another useless chapter mallory sorry i was making notes next door to where the robbery (laughs) happened the best thing that happened in this chapter is that this is the most dated thing in the book, I swear to God. She's in the any best of these thing. books, in any of the books that I've ever read in this series, the most dated reference is that Mallory says that they are baking cookies and they're calling them edible slammers because they're very into pogs at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, okay, wait, like pogs went through my middle school, like the flu. Everyone had them, but I don't, even, I don't remember how to play them or anything. I was just like, Wow. I don't even think we really played them. I in my at least in my experience with them, it was all about collecting them. Yes. Yeah. But like sometimes like you I don't know, I just remember like slapping one pog against the other and they go flying, but it was like to what end? To what there's the real mystery. Yeah, babysitters solve the Pogs mystery for us. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. well, because there were the heavier ones were called slammers, which is what they call these cookies. And I think, it, yeah, you would use the slammers to flip the regular Pogs and Did, question mark profit. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Did you notice Mallory's intense attention to what color apron every Radowski was wearing? <laughs> I did notice that. And I'm she, like, this is intense. Like, and and then she was like, noticing like if it, I bet it's because they were all redheads. So she was like taking note of which was the most flattering on each. <laughs> mm. but she herself is a redhead, and as we know from book after book, she's ugly. <laughs> Anna Martin. That's not my opinion. That's just the books <laughs> telling us repeatedly. She has had a mall makeover at this point. So, oh, did she? Not in this book, but in a previous one we read for the podcast. <laughs> Well, I also was like, wow, the Rodowskis have so many aprons that you can take your time picking which apron. But then I was like, well, these boys are very chaotic, so I bet they have to go through a lot of aprons. Your mom probably makes them tape the off- apron off before the babysitter gets there, just because they're like, that's <laughs> weird, but it's probably more practical. Those kids, like, I would hate babysitting them. If I like, Everyone's like, oh, we love the Rodowskis. I'd love to babysit them. I was like, why? <laughs> I wouldn't want to babysit at all, though, if I'm being honest. That was the greatest lie the Babysitter's Club ever, ever sold everyone was that babysitting was fun. <laughs> True. <laughs> so while Mallory's there, she does see a teenage boy go into the house next door and makes note of it in the mystery notebook. Mm-hmm. And from there, they the next day or at some point in the future, Stacey gets another phantom phone call. Uh, I keep calling them that because that's what Claudia's book about <laughs> prank phone calls was called. Another like call where someone just calls and says like you're next and breathes deeply into the phone and then hangs up. And also Tigger is missing. And then when Marianne finds him, there's a note attached to his collar and she gets a your next note. Also scary. Yeah. That is so scary. This is the scariest part 
of the book, but also PSA, keep your cats indoors because then That's A, true. they can't murder birds, and B, <laughs> they can't get hit by cars, and C, creepy stalkers can't put notes on their collars. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, that's next level diabolical. And he could have, like, I don't know, like, what, just, uh, it's just, it could have gone in so many directions, but it's not a Courtney Summers novel, so it's good that it did. Like, that was dark. Like, Tigger, precious little Tigger. Yes. Who was really mad to be, like, interrupted from his milk or whatever it was to get that note <laughs> off him. And he's like, how dare you? <laughs> And also, Stacy almost gets run over by a car and notices that it has a, a Stony Brook Business Bureau sticker on the back as well, but it's an old one, not a current one. Slow with the car driving for you to get a look at that. <laughs> like, honestly, because it's like, is that the, like, I don't know, if I almost get hit by a car, it's just like, I'm not looking for the better business. I just call shenanigans. Stacy was in a lot of peril this book like in a lot in like a really casual way like with the <laughs> insulin and stuff i was like yeah it should be really like i really thought stacy was gonna bite it when i was a kid <laughs> and i was like devastated I, like because i was like this doesn't look good for her but it was just <laughs> dramatic New York drama. so they they get ready to go up to the for shadow lake mm-hmm. uh and they you know pack up and they cr- pile into their caravan of two cars And there's a lot of like, oh, well, if Abby's going in this car, I'm going to go in this car from Claudia. And Abby starts to cotton on that maybe Claudia is mad at her for some reason, but still can't figure out why. She's like, Mm -hmm. whatever. She's not telling me it doesn't exist. Like, (laughs) she's just so calm about it. If someone was like at all, if I get a vibe or an email doesn't end in an exclamation mark, I'm like, well, they hate me and I'm going to fixate on that for the rest of my life. And Abby's just like, whatever, I'm going in the other car and it's fine. Uh, Abby's very self-actualized. I like how that's the only note in this chapter is Claudia. What, what are you doing, Claudia? Like, why do you hate Abby so much? None of us knew you could ski. Maybe Claudia's secretly in love with Christy and she's mad that like Abby has Ooh, swooped in. Ooh, or, love she's just, or she's in love with like Abby and she can't like articulate it, so she thinks it's hate. Ooh, Ooh maybe. Did David Levithan write the big guide to the Babysitters Club book? I feel like I always want to say that he did. I don't know if he wrote the one that was like published, but he's definitely said that like as a scholastic intern, he was responsible for the like behind the scenes notes that the different ghostwriters shared. I have no direct line to David Levithan, but I'm going to find a way to find out about the scheme thing for Are all you, of us. Please, please. It's well, just. I, I just, I think we need to talk to Nola Thacker. That too. <laughs> so did you just make this up without consulting anyone? <laughs> you think you can do that? This is canonical. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back in the days before wikis, they just assumed they could get away with shit like this. If these girls can uh, solve crime, they can ski Black Diamond Trails. obviously so when they get to shadow lake um they head out to start skiing um and some people need to rent equipment including claudia because something is broken on her skis and stacy because she's not a big skier so she needs to rent skis because she's essentially like learning how to do it stacy is so excited about the bunny slope and i love it yeah the bunny slopes the bunny slopes but also this is when the book becomes clue and we get all our, like, <laughs> Scarlet. <laughs> it's true. In the lodge of the the place, of the ski place, 
the ski lodge, as they call it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm from I'm from Illinois, so I don't know, but I've I've heard they call it a ski lodge. Yes. What I meant what I meant by that comment was that in my youth, teens around me, many teens around me, frequently went skiing. It was like a regular thing mm-hmm. that teens did for fun. <laughs> fine you're you're from the east coast just like chris wren who's this woman who's checking in and she's really suspicious because she's like oh i hear skiing's popular here i'm from new england from maine from portland maine (laughs) it's like who introduces themselves in that fashion when you find out who she is it makes it even more abysmal like like, so it's so pathetic like is this like your first time out are you wired just like this is the test run for chris wren (laughs) (laughs) they also meet a young man named woody keenan who like introduces himself and like offers advice or something i don't really remember yeah and then a creepy red herring man um named mr fetterman who has an eye patch and thus is immediately suspicious to these girls to be fair it has an eye patch and is rude to staff he and later mutters death threats Yes, like, the Babysitter's Club definitely has relied on some negative stereotypes toward people with yeah. disabilities, and um, and it's not great to have your potential villain be distinguished by his eye patch because it's also it's yes. completely unnecessary. Yes. Right, he was, like, just, he was mean. Like, he was mean to staff, that's all you need. Yes. You have to always be suspicious of people who are mean to volunteers and staff. Yes. And in an interesting twist on that, in the next chapter, while Jessie is babysitting the Pikes, she brings her sister along, um, and her sister is very freaked out about this man with a blue tattoo, and they're all focused on him, the club members, especially Jessie and Mal, who are together babysitting the Pikes. This was another useless chapter. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're- very focused on on this man with the blue tattoo as like possibly being related to another person who they arrested who had a blue tattoo. Maybe they're from the same counterfeiting ring. I mean, like maybe, yeah, I guess maybe. If you, God, that would be like the worst counterfeit ring ever. Like, <laughs> sure. We all have our tattoos. <laughs> it, guys, it's like it's like one fish, two fish, red herring, blue tattoo. Am I right? Exactly, yeah. And Becca's and Becca's random fear of tattoos. Yeah. Like, everything served this chapter, but this chapter didn't serve anything else. While Jesse is babysitting for the pike, she's annoyed because Mallory is like obsessed with the mystery notebook and not helping her babysit. Mm-hmm. Um so they decide that they're all gonna go on a hunt for the man with the blue tattoo to combine those two pursuits. And they finally find him at the pizza place where he works and cares about his job. Yes, he's mm-hmm. not the counterfeiter. It wasn't even the same kind of tattoo as the counterfeiter. <laughs> it was just blue, but Becca is afraid of tattoos. Mm-hmm. So this is like an, in an interesting inverse. They're like, no, like not everyone with a tattoo is bad. So they go back to the Pike's house and use old makeup to play tattoo with the kids to teach them that tattoos are fine, actually. If I put a chapter like that in a book, my editor would be like, what are you doing? Take it out. This has this makes no sense. There would be no mention of blue tattoos from the start because like there's like five hundred red herrings in this book. We just got to the clue portion. They have like a wealth of mysteries behind them and we need this too. Like what? That's my critique. Yeah, it just sort of I think it was really just like, oh, Jesse and Mal need something to do. I guess I don't know. It 
But do they? But could we have just no, they don't. skipped back to Shadow Lake? Could they have just gone? Like, they could have read the mystery notebook together and, and been like, wow, these girls got in some crap before we joined. <laughs> like, just done like a little revisiting of the girl, narrowed assessment. I don't know. Could have done like, anything but that. It made no sense. It was just so long. Sorry. This is where I was most passionately angry in this book. <laughs> needless chapter. Can't they just sit around and be like, I can't wait till I'm in eighth grade like these girls. <laughs> Honestly. Though I did like how Jesse was like, oh, you're not going to babysit, you jerk, to Mallory? Like, yeah. She was yeah. so mad. And I was like, yeah, you tell her because I don't like Mallory because Anna Martin didn't like Mallory. And that's how I show my loyalty to Anna Martin <laughs> by dunking on Mallory all the time. Uh, great. So Sorry. back at Shadow Lake, um, <laughs> they are – it's snowing finally. They're real excited. It looks like it's going to snow – it's going to blizzard. It's yes. not just going to snow. It's going to yeah. blizzard. And by the way, this has been a recurring theme throughout is like, especially Abby and Claudia keeping like, I hope it snows enough to ski. And like, like every chapter updating us on the forecast of like whether or not it will snow at Shadow Lake. It does. So it is snowing and it's supposed to blizzard. It's supposed to snow a lot. So like, all right, we're going to go out to the slopes and get some skiing. And while we still can. And while they're there, the guy with the eye patch looks through their ski bags and like mutters angry death threats under his breath which they find suspicious just a little he says quote i could kill them they deserve it no jury in the world would convict me excuse me a normal thing to mutter an earshot of teenage girls you've never met before i walked by a guy saying that yesterday (laughs) (laughs) so stacy does some bunny slopes and she's excited to like start the slightly more challenging skiing and gets on the ski lift, and while she's on her way up the mountain, the ski lift gets stuck. Also scary. That is terrifying. Yeah. Just screaming into the blizzard and no one can hear you and you're cold. I hate being cold. I hate it so much. It would be like the most, oh, it would make me so mad if I had to die that way. It is definitely a nightmare of mine, as portrayed very stupidly in the movie Frozen. Not the Frozen you're thinking of, a different Frozen. No, I know what one you're thinking of with them, Sean Astin. Yes. Wait, was it Sean? Yeah, that, wait. Or was it Kaylee Cuoco? No. I know I watched this movie and there was wolves. Yes, the wolves. wolves. Yes. The stupidest okay. ending in the world to this it movie. Was the bad. It was such a bad movie, but I thought of it immediately when I was reading this. I was like, this reminds me of a movie I'd see later on in life. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, St- uh, Christy is skiing and someone turns a snowblower on while she's skiing and it knocks her down. Abby and Claudia are going up a trail and Abby notices that Claudia is going down a trail that's been closed down for safety reasons, but the sign has been obscured. So she goes after her and everything's fine. Like Claudia and Abby make their way down the mountain and they're okay. Like uh, Christy gets out okay. Stacy is rescued from the ski lift, but they're all like, this is weird that all of these dangerous things happen to us all at the same time. Stacy gets free hot chocolate. I remember I read that before. I was like, she's diabetic. And then she ordered sugar-free hot chocolate. But I was like, can't give her a voucher or something? Like, hot chocolate? Like, what is that? Is she going to drink, like, $8 worth, maybe? (laughs) By the way, Watson should sue also. Like, Like, they had such a case for it. Bad lodge. They like the all this stuff was super obvious. Like you should be checking the signs every hour. Someone should always be at the ski lift. Also, yeah. Claudia and Abby made up after that, even though Abby didn't know they were fighting. I guess Claudia just needed Abby to prove she could ski. Like, 
Well, and and to save her life. Yes. That's the cost of Claudia or the price of her. Wait, the test of Claudia's friendship? I don't know. Yes, the the price. I don't know. Price, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Fetterman is kind of right. Like, I support him, except for just keep your, take your threats to court instead of muttering them in earshot of teenagers. Yes. Write write a business letter that's like, maybe this is how Watson made his millions. (laughs) That's how he bought the cabin at Shadow Lake. Was. He out of vouchers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when they get back to said cabin, actually, they find out that somebody has left the doors open and the cabin is freezing. And Watson is going, I think, to get like firewood or something. And Christy's like, no, 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 I'll go get it. And admits to him that she's very nervous about his heart attack and doesn't want him to overdo it and he's like christy i have fucking doctors it's <laughs> fucking fine yeah like, he's like i'm actually supposed to be doing exercise now have you seen that on simpsons episode where mr burns has a heart attack and he's like they were, he was taken to a, a hospital where he was pronounced dead and it's like oh and then he was taken to a better hospital where he was pronounced alive i feel yeah. like that's what happened to watson <laughs> that sounds right Back at in Stony Brook, Marianne is sitting for the Radowskis and she sees the son of the man who lives next door and his friend breaking into the house. And that plot line is resolved. And we find out that he was the one who was doing the breaking in all the time. He was that first burglar. He was stealing from his parents that he could sell stuff because he owes some people money. And he doesn't know who the babysitter's. Like, that was really meaty. I'm like, why didn't you want to find out more about that? You stop asking questions at, like, the most interesting family drama. Like, (laughs) who does he owe money to and why? Yeah, because he's, like, college age. Like, is this for your tuition or? It felt very, like, drug adjacent to me. But because it was a babysitter's club book, they couldn't be, like, for cocaine. Yeah. That that was for California Diaries. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But then later they do call the police and to be like, hey, what happened to Noah Seeger? And the police are like, the police are like, oh, hey, teens, don't worry. He got sentenced to family therapy and he and his dad are going to therapy together. And I was like, should you be telling this? Do you tell this to anybody who calls? You didn't even ask about the friend, but the friend's getting therapy too. Please don't fire us, babysitter's club. So Marianne asks him if he's the one who's been stalking the babysitter's club, and he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't stalk teens. I just steal things to pay off my enormous debts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I wouldn't mess with kids. Just my loving, just my loving parents. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best part. And then, but what was, who is he do? Oh, wait. Did one of them look at extra long at one of the girls or something like that? I think so. It was a weird moment. There was like this weird notation of like, are you the one that I saw or something? It was just a very, it was weird. I made note of that, but I don't know. I was just like, why does he care so much? You're like, mystery solved. Stop being creepy. Oh, Logan's chat. Wait, sorry. I got really excited. It's okay. Um, Yeah, so the next chapter is from Logan, and we find out the reason that Logan's been weird around Marianne is not because he's been leaving her bizarre anonymous notes, but because he thinks Marianne has been leaving him bizarre anonymous notes. Uh, So they're both, like, very suspicious of each other. And knowing as they do now that the car that almost hit Stacy had last year's Business Bureau sticker they compare the list of members from last year and the list of members from this year to find out 
who is missing. And one of them is Carl Tate, who was the phantom dog napper. I don't know why I keep adding phantom to things. <laughs> In an he was, earlier He was the book. dog napper of the opera. Yes. And he was sent to jail, but he has since been released from jail, which is just very strange because the way that time works in these books. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think about it. Don't think about it. And then it's the summer before eighth grade again. <laughs> Sunny, Stony Brook exists on a Mobius strip of like. If you think about it, you will end time. <laughs> the Time Variance Authority is going to be all over Stony Brook. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Marianne calls, tries to call Stacy at the Shadow Lake to tell her that Carl Tate was released from prison and they think he might be the one who is stalking the babysitters. But the line, the reception's very bad. And then the, the phone line at Shadow Lake is disconnected. Classic, classic mm-hmm. trope. Love it. And then then they take a Logan, Marion, and Shannon uh, go on a walk with Shannon's dog to like go do a drive by walk by of the Tate's house for clues. Uh, I don't know what they're expecting to find, but what happens is that the dog Astrid chases a cat in through the Tate's pet door. And then they're like, well, we have to get our dog back. And like no one seems home. So they like go in through the pet door also, or one of them does like open the door for the other humans. And then, uh, anyway, they get in the house, which doesn't matter. They, they get in the house in. and then they go into Mr. They're like, well, since we're here <laughs> getting our dog and no one's home, we <laughs> might as well, well just see what we find. This is the kind of rule breaking I just couldn't do. Oh, that's going to get me out of the club. I'd be like, this is bad, guys. And if we're caught, that's going to be bad, too. Bye. I can't believe Marianne could do it. Right? I know, like, right? Why wasn't she crying on the threshold? <laughs> I mean, because she she already knew Christy was in trouble. She had to do it for Christy, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, they they go into like what they conclude is Carl Tate's office, and they find like a murder board of like the photo <laughs> of them from the newspaper, and you know like red string, like whatever. And they're like, "Oh no!" But then they get the dog, and Shannon shuts the door of the room they're in to keep the dog from getting out further. And then they realize the door is sticky, and they're stuck. They're like locked in the study. Which, spoiler, when they get out, Mrs. Tate is just like, oh, yeah, I should get that lock fixed. Like, bitch, you have a room in your house that routinely gets people locked in it and you haven't made that a priority? Yeah. Well, you know what? Her husband's in jail. Just got. Yeah, I guess she has a lot on her mind. Even worse, if she's been home alone, like, what if she gets stuck in there? I mean, just put some tape over that, like, mechanism at least. Yeah, there you go. That's how she was keeping Woody inside. He had just been inside the evidence room, like, locked in for ages. So so back at Shadow Lake, um, with the disconnected phone line, the power also has gone out. So the adults and I think little kids all go in to town Convenient. to get supplies, <laughs> mm-hmm. leaving the teens alone. That would be like the babysitters and also Christy's two older brothers. Sam and Charlie. Yes. <laughs> so they see um, this guy, the guy Woody, who they met earlier, who comes by asking for wood. And they say, oh. <laughs> Sorry. They see the guy Woody asking for wood. Yes. <laughs> He he does his full house impression. He's like, "Do you guys have any wood for me, Woody?" <laughs> he does that. <laughs> yep. Another iconic moment. <laughs> Stacy also sees Chris Wren, the woman who 
felt the need to tell everyone she was from Maine, Portland, <laughs> Maine, in the lodge, sneaking around, and she has a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah, and like, Chris Wren is here to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know her and never met her before, but we can't keep track of our enemies. Yeah. <laughs> So the phone is still dead. The phone is still dead when they go to call to see, to tell them, I don't know, something. I can't remember what. But more importantly, someone has stolen Stacy's insulin and also like cut up Claudia's pillow and dumped red nail polish all over it. So it looked like blood. Yes. The insulin thing, I remember being like shocked out of my mind about that as a kid because it's like, don't you know? Stacy's a brittle diabetic. Like, yes. you must really want her death. Isn't that what they called her in the books? A brittle diabetic. Probably. <laughs> I swear to God, that was the diagnosis. I'm not just saying things that like aren't right to say. Like that's what the book labeled her as. Because I think I, I think I might have given a speech on Stacy's diabetes once. There's club school related material. Like, my friend Stacy. I didn't mention that she was fake. No, I don't know. <laughs> They're teaching the children. Yeah, they stole her. They stole her insulin. Like that's like, if she hadn't had backup, she would be dead. Yeah, and and like luckily, immediately Stacey's like, "Don't worry, I have more like in my purse or whatever." But like, still, that's like attempted murder. Come on, to that a really child. Is. Yes. Yes, thirteen years old. Like, like I know they solve crime, but I know the cops answer to them. But still. <laughs> anyway then woody comes back and he's like oh i found some extra firewood in the basement and they're like we thought you needed wood but okay and then he leaves again and claudia is like hey doesn't woody look like carl tate especially from the back like the way he walks is just like carl tate and everyone's like i don't i don't know um but claudia has this observation and then they all get distracted because the cabin's on fire a lot of like a lot of arson in this book. <laughs> yeah yep and then and then on that cliffhanger we cut back to a logan chapter like are you kidding who cares about logan oh oh, oh, okay though i do just for like this one thing this chapter this is chapter 20 right yes yes so the chapter opens with logan's little note in the um mystery notebook and it says sunday every picture tells a story put yourself in the picture a picture is worth a thousand words picture this take a look at the big picture now i get the picture that is some like American psycho Patrick Bateman kind of monologuing right there. Like I know how <laughs> like everything, but I remember reading them like this. Like he could write those notes to Marianne. It's an if that's how he writes in the Babysitters Club notebooks. No Logan's a serial sad. killer. Yeah, well, yeah. Like eventually, obviously, but I was like, wow, they really land the foreshadowing. <laughs> I just couldn't get it's so disturbed sounding. It's like, what are you getting at, Logan? No one thinks you're clever, so you have to be something's wrong with you. <laughs> go back, go back to Louisville, Kentucky, Logan. <laughs> so Logan yeah. tells Shannon that Marianne's been giving him weird notes, and then Marianne's like, "No, you've been giving me weird notes." So they finally like talk about them and how they're getting these weird notes. The best part is because Shannon's like, I'm sick of you both. Yes. Just talk. And they're like, okay, well, someone else is sending them. We'll have to figure out who. But then they find a Shadow Lake brochure. (laughs) And then that picture of the Babysitter's Club from the newspaper with the big X over them. How did they not find this guy sooner? Like, he's so sloppy. (laughs) Here's my big murder board. And here's... Because they're letting the 13-year-olds run the town. (laughs) I know. And they have to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's winter break. They should have they could have done this in a hundred pages, not one hundred and sixty-six. So back at Shadow Lake, it turns out the cabin's not on fire, but someone has blocked the chimney. So instead it's filling with smoke. So they decide they're gonna have to go to the lodge on foot, even though it's a blizzard happening. Mm-hmm. Also, okay, here's a quote that I've pulled because I couldn't process it and I Googled it and I was like, I don't think this is a thing. But Claudia again is like, oh, you know, from behind, Woody is like Carl. And says, you know, in detective stories, they say that you can't disguise the way someone looks from behind. The way they stand and walk always gives them away. And Claudia does read a lot of Nancy Drew books. And spoiler, she's right. But I I don't think this is a thing. What are you talking about? You know what, though? I think I read this and I assumed that was a fact. So I might have repeated it several times as a child. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe she's, like maybe Nola. Is it Nola? I keep- Nola Thacker, Nola. yeah. New New Orleans stacker. Yeah. <laughs> she she wanted it to be a thing, and I tried. I tried. Nola. I tried. I mean, I guess there are like people do disguise their gates. Like I don't know. Maybe it's a, it doesn't sound like a thing though. Anyway, they're setting off on foot, and it's so snowy that they're like, "All right, everybody, make sure you can see the person in front of you." And out of the woods comes Carl. Nowhere. T- Yes, out of literally nowhere. I found this so confusing when I was a kid reading it, and I was confused this time too. It got me twice. Like I'm maybe it's me and like my brain, but I was like, no, Carl's not the. It's not him. It's like the kid. And then I was like, what? Like, and he's just ushered off Paige. Just so it's like carry on. Like it was just so weird. I was like, did they confuse? I thought, like, did they mean Woody? Like, it was such a weird. He, like, lunges at them, and Abby throws a chunk of ice at him, and then Chris Wren appears, and she reveals she's an undercover detective the who's worst. there because Carl's breaking his probation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, bye. Yeah. Yep. Just like, okay, I'll leave now with this criminal. Have fun walking to the lodge, right? children. You need yeah. an escort? Are any of you okay? Are you traumatized? Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I have to oh, get back to Portland. Oh, you're the babysitters club. We don't need to help you. <laughs> <laughs> so we we flip back to Stony Brook, and Mrs. Tate shows up and finds the kids in the study and warns them when they're like, "Oh, like Carl's after our friends," and she's like, "No, it's not Carl. It's my son Woodrow, Woodrow. <laughs> aka this, this Woody." Is- it feels like such a I, – I can't name any movies, but I feel like that's like a horror movie trope. Like I, I know I've seen it. You know, you find the woman that – or like who's always like kind of discombobulated and she's like, oh, it's, it's it's my husband. It's my son. It's my whatever. But like – and she sits down in the chair and it's like, I'll just be left to my madness of having these absolutely unsettled bonkers family <laughs> members. I swear I've seen like this kind of trope in movies before. But that's what she does basically. She's like, I'll just retire in this recliner and think about how everything's bad. <laughs> yeah and and she's also like oh and i gotta get this door fixed like yeah. <laughs> not this still not the top of my priorities list though uh, also this is this is the penultimate chapter and there's no resolution on the marianne and logan note situation which is really concerning right so it must have been cokey but unless are we supposed to think it's i don't think we're supposed to think it's woody like how's, he's not going into their school is he yeah i don't it was logan and that Babysitter's Club notebook entry is all the proof I need. He just likes to shake things up in their relationship. Oh, fuck. 
Yep. So back back <laughs> at bad. Shadow Lake, Chris Ren takes Carl away. They're all going to the lodge, including Woody. And then Woody tries to pull Stacy out into the lake, which previously they had made Stacey a note again. Sorry. <laughs> previously Stacey they had in peril. Yeah. Previously they had made a note that like the lake doesn't because it's so big it doesn't freeze, so you can't <laughs> skate on it, so it's very dangerous. And he explains that he's Carl's son and he's mad at the girls for sending his father to prison and the his criminal Monologue. father to prison for doing crimes. So Christy ends up shooting a flare at Woody. <laughs> and falls into the lake. And then Stacy elbows him. And so he like falls into the lake. And then Chris Wren comes back and is like, oh, actually, I talked to Carl. And it turns out that he's not the bad guy. <laughs> Whoopsie, you shouldn't have left you teens <laughs> alone. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't tell my boss about this. <laughs> and then the babies are just like, we're your boss. <laughs> But also, like, they never – okay, I like – they don't really talk about whether or not they successfully pulled Woody out of the lake. Did you notice that? Like, did I miss that? They say, like, they – Yeah, no. Those, we don't yeah. We don't get a conclusion. So he's dead is what I've decided. Because <laughs> it just makes, like, everything that happens in the ensuing chapters even more funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, a man died and you're all like, chocolate and marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then in the epilogue, okay, I have a few choice quotes I want to share from the epilogue. They're all brilliant. One is Christy saying, Watson and my mom were not too thrilled when they heard the story. And maybe this is maybe when Watson sues, like, in the after epilogue to stop publish. Because, like, Christy hasn't wanted to tell Watson any of this because she's been so worried about his heart. And then to be like, oh, these are actually, like, pretty serious crimes, Christy, actually. (laughs) And then Claudia says, I was right. I did see Carl Tate. His son walks just like him. She stuck her nose in the air. It's the artist's superior eye for detail. Like, yeah. She's not that's, wrong. That's you, Claude. You're, a, you're an artist. You're not a skier. Let's get back to this. <laughs> that's true. That was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is your core competency. <laughs> Give it to Abby. She didn't save the day. <laughs> neither did Claudia. The flare did. Good job to that flare. <laughs> But yeah, they don't they don't clear up what was going on with the notes. And I was trying to remember if they like it was a setup for a later book, but I don't remember it ever coming up again, which doesn't mean that it didn't, but the mysteries were pretty self-contained. Yeah. This yeah. one was not. This one called in like three previous mysteries I hadn't read. Well, yeah, because it was like the second one. Like the first one I don't I don't know, like nobody ever now that they have extensive conversations about super mysteries, but it feels like one was boring and Stacy wasn't in it because she had quit the club at that point, so I didn't care about it. And three was boring, but like two, this one is the icon. Because <laughs> they never, like, they had four. I think there were only four. It's my greatest, or maybe only three. I don't know. It's my greatest disappointment that the super mysteries just weren't <laughs> as consistently built as like the super specials. Like, I don't care about vacation, I care about crime. <laughs> well, that's the opposite of me. I, I googled- you got enough vacation. Let me have my crime. <laughs> That's the tagline for Courtney Summers book. Because it's like a, it's like instead I've got to have my pops. It's, Let me have my crime. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, this book is wild, and I know I say that a lot, but truly, so much happened to these girls. I love it so much. I just think it's masterclass, except for those extraneous chapters that I see now were filler. Yeah. And that with my writer's eye, I can critique properly. Shame <laughs> on them. So I did enjoy every word as a child. Like, I just thought it was the scariest 
thing I ever read. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. Don't hurt so much. Yeah, I was. I mean, it's all I wanted. All I wanted, and I mean, this continues to be all I want as an adult. Like, I love the babysitters characters. All I wanted was to read about my favorite characters solving mysteries. And occasionally there are like supernatural things vaguely involved, but then it always turns out it's not really. But in my heart, one day they were really going to have to like exercise a ghost. God, that would have been so good. Be perfect. Uh, the farmhouse. Yes. Please. That would have been like the best setting for it. Did you notice that like this, this is not too far from what, and I'm not going to name them. Maybe I'll name them after we stop recording. But like the like sort of absurd trajectory of like a lot of best-selling thrillers lately like the, the ones that kind of seem very similar they all come out around the same time and they just keep coming out and it's there's just like so much happening like and not everything needs to be explained and it's you're just on this wild ride and they sell like crazy <laughs> you know what i mean well like there's a formula here that feels very echoey of like more of recent big, yeah yeah some of the big things that have hit which is fine but I look for that in my middle grade novels, not my adult <laughs> novels. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, let's let's move into our dramatic readings and just give you all a little dose of this book. <laughs> and Kate is up first. Yes, I'm going to read about the fire at Claudia's house, which that was a joke for babysitter super fans because there's a book called The Fire at Marianne's House. <laughs> anyway, the dining room was filling up with smoke. Fire, said Claudia. We dropped napkins and silverware on the table and ran back into the kitchen. The smell of burning was much stronger, and the kitchen was filling up with smoke, too. Claudia yanked the oven door open, and Stacy did the same to the microwave. Nothing. I jerked open the pantry door. I saw there was smoke, too, but no fire. Then I saw it. I raised my hand and pointed. Through the window of the kitchen door, I could see flames leaping up outside. Fire, shouted Claudia. I'll get Janine. I'll call 911, I said. Stacy reached for the back door and Claudia said with amazing calmness, don't open the door. It might make the fire worse. We should close the kitchen door behind us, I said as Claudia dashed to the foot of the stairs. Janine, she screamed. What? Janine's voice sounded faintly irritated. Fire, shouted Claudia. That got Janine's attention. She shot out into the hallway and peered down the stairs. The smoke was rising now. She half turned and Claudia said, don't go back. Leave now. Come on. But my computer now, shouted Claudia. <laughs> Janina's all of us. It's true. Yes. All right. I'm up next. I'm just going to check in a little bit with our spooky queen, Karen, when they're dividing the families up between the van and the station wagon. Karen announced, I am riding in the van. It has taller seats. You can look down into the cars you pass and see what is in them. It'll be dark, Karen, said David Michael. It already is. Well, if the cars we pass have ghosts in them, we will be able to see those in the dark, Karen began, her blue eyes growing huge behind her glasses. Karen has what some call a vivid imagination. Sometimes I think she's plugged into Mars. I mean, I've never met a kid like her. Ghosts? David Michael's eyes grew huge, too. We're not going to pass any cars full of ghosts, I said. They only travel on Halloween. That's a ghost rule. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> I've heard that rule before. I am just reading like a little piece of dialogue that I think exemplifies everything that is wrong with the Stony Brook police force. And it just <laughs> sort of punctuates everything we've been talking about up to this point. 
<laughs> You've done a good job here, said Sergeant Johnson. Once again, the Babysitter's Club has helped solve a crime. He grinned. Maybe you should change your name to the Crime Busters Club. That's <laughs> bad. That's bad, and he should be grinning in shame. <laughs> yeah, he should just go home and resign and be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like teen, teenagers are doing a better job than me. Just imagine Sergeant Johnson going home to his wife and being like, those kids showed me up again. He's <laughs> crying. <laughs> oh, poor bud. Not really. I don't know. I said poor. Like, you chose to be a cop. <laughs> Deal with it, Sergeant, Sergeant Johnson. Yep. <sighs> All right. Let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we can suggest some books to potentially read instead of or in addition to a Babysitter's Club super mystery. In addition. To- yeah, to be frank, said. yeah, to be frank, first of all, read read them and be like, are you really going to run out? I don't know. I think you could probably read these for a long time. But <laughs> I don't know. What else do you guys think people should read? I would recommend The Forgotten Girl by India Hill Brown, which is sort of a mystery and also sort of ghosty and doesn't really have too much to do with any of it but i was just thinking about it recently so (laughs) i recommend it i think it's a good book and you should read it it's a middle grade book about ghosts (laughs) i picked like goosebumps night of the living dummy by rl stein because i want people to read that and i want them (laughs) to come back to me and tell them if they know true fear from a ventriloquist dummy or if they already learned it from the babysitters club and there's only one answer and the goosebumps answer is wrong. <laughs> and tell that to my fourth grade teacher. <laughs> Courtney, let me tell you, I've never read a single goosebumps book in my life. And I've repeatedly Are you said Yeah. I told you I didn't like I don't like scary things. I know, I, but like still. Even as a kid. <laughs> no. I was busy with babysitter club. <laughs> with the normal babysitter club. Not spooky Stony Brook. <laughs> no. But here's what I'm going to say, though, is next summer, if you come back, I will read one Goosebumps book if you will talk about it with us and make your oh case. Oh, my God. <laughs> it will have to either be like, it'll have to be Night of the Living Dummy or The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight, which is actually <laughs> genuinely scary, but still not comparable to uh, Woodrow Tate. <laughs> <laughs> we can make a rubric of fear and do this definitive comparison. You should do it. And then you should also have to watch the um, Canadian YTV television adaptation of The Scarecrow Walks in the Night, which was terrifying. I bought it on DVD. I have no regrets. Okay, I'm still not not as scary as Woodrow Tate. I'm not going to commit to that, but I'll commit to reading one goosebump. (laughs) One singular bump. All right, I'm putting that on my calendar. I will be a judge. And and this is on recording. So if you're trying to be like, oh, no, I didn't say I would do that. I'd be like, actually, hit the playback. It's a law um, in Canada. <laughs> uh, I just, I'll put these on the website, where bestsellers.com. I uh, just had some sort of winter and skiing themed books that this made me think of, but. Oh, pure. That's so pure and innocent. We really are on brand. Like, I read this murder mystery at Shadow Lake, and here I want you to read these winter sports themed books. <laughs> Well, so as a librarian, I was just trying to think of the different appeal factors at play. And one of them is obviously the mystery and the murder. But one of them, one appeal factor could be the skiing. If you're into skiing, maybe, which I'm not either. But there was someone out there who was like the babysitter's club super mystery. Babysitters beware. Oh, my God. I hope someone's skiing. (laughs) (laughs) Needed more skiing. (laughs) Three stars. stars. No, 1.75 stars. Uh, was disappointed the Black Diamond Slope was closed. 
thought we were really going there. Anna Martin held back. <laughs> all right. So we'll have all of those up on our website, wearspossfellers.com. And now we'll move on to The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Courtney can choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Wow. Okay. I'm sweating. <laughs> if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be the man with the blue tattoo. And he would get a more expanded scene in the book after noticing the kids were noticing his <laughs> tattoos and would show them all off and explain that t- tattoos are actually an ancient art form and often have cultural significance as well as being a cool aesthetic choice some people make for their bodies and everyone would learn a valuable lesson. The rest of the book, though, wouldn't change because this one's a banger. <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds good. Well, if if noted Canadian hero Wolverine were in this book, he would be out at Shadow Lake for some ice fishing, which he can probably do there. Uh, he'd overhear the ruckus when Woody tries to drag Stacy in the lake and he'd come running up to try to help. But then he'd see Abby knock him out with a rock or an ice chunk rather. And he'd be like, no, nah, these girls have it. So he wouldn't really intervene, but he would congratulate Abby on her throwing arm and uh, he'd offer her some whiskey from his flask, but just a little just a little that's so inappropriate (laughs) (laughs) well wow that's tough to pick because first of all like i really like this rock scenario but it occurs in a chapter that i spent like 10 minutes (laughs) telling you all was not essential (laughs) and then the wolverine thing i think he'd be intimidated by those girls i don't think he's showing his face at all i'm papering (laughs) it there's no yeah, I have yeah. to take it. That's, that's, that's fair. So that's good, fair. They're good, but I think they're, they're almost too good, you know? It's, it's, hard, it's <laughs> hard to improve on a super mystery. <laughs> it is. That's why they're super. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte shares his opinions on the book. Hope you loved it so we can still be friends. All right, Duarte, you're right. The part with Marion and Tigger was like really scary. Maybe too scary for readers. I think you're probably right. But Did he say he wished there was more skiing? <laughs> no, Duarte hates skiing. Okay. Um, he is a, he's from the Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> that's the true fact if people don't know that. <laughs> I was, like, you just, I was like, you just like thought that up so fast. I was like, that's either like that's been there a long time, and you wanted the people to know, or it's true. I, every, <laughs> so, just every so often, I like allude to Duarte being Dominican, and I'm like, I hope they like they don't think that I'm being glib about this because he is literally Dominican. I was in the Peace Corps in the Dominican Republic, and that's where I got Duarte from. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's his country of origin. So, yeah, he's not here for snow. He's not here for skiing. He does like it when books have cats in them, but he doesn't like it when the cats are in peril, such as Tigger. So, But that cat lived, and he also, after getting, like, a threatening note in his collar, he yelled at Marianne for, like, trying to address it, like, to take the note (laughs) out. He's like, excuse me, I am drinking milk now. He was mad. That's true. Yeah, Tigger did, you know, Tigger, Tigger ended up okay, and Tigger got to speak his mind, so... Overall, pretty good cat representation, really. Yeah. Yeah. So shouldn't have gotten like 10 meows? <laughs> it's testing your cat. It's not like a meow to star rating scale. It's like a little more fun. But it is now. It okay. is right now. And I want 10. <laughs> well, 
I guess you'll just have to agree to disagree with Duarte because that's how oh, many meows man. it was. <laughs> wow, that hurts me. But they're <laughs> they're pretty long meows, so I don't know what the scale is exactly. Well, it could have been ten. Yeah, but, 10. I, but I mean, does the long meow count as two stars? Maybe I don't know. It was ten, and I better see that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> we will be adding a new line for star ratings. <laughs> for Thank you. Previous, previously not acknowledged, but ten stars. <laughs> Yeah. All I wanted. All right. Well, I was. I'm about to ask if any humans have any closing thoughts. And I guess that's Courtney's. It's just ten stars. Ten stars. Ten stars and ten of Duarte's stars. <laughs> this was so good that after I read it, I went onto the BPL Overdrive and took like seven more Babysitters Club mysteries out and reread them. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! Did you read um the first one, uh, the Super Mystery, where they went to was it New Orleans? No, Salem. They went to Salem. They go to Salem. No, yeah, they went to Salem and Abby got a pumpkin that she no, like she got a she got a not a stuffed pumpkin. Yeah, a stuffed pumpkin that she named Cornucopia. This stuck in my head and I bought a stuffed pumpkin and I named it Cornucopia. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm gonna go to Salem and get a stuffed pumpkin and I'm gonna name it Courtneycopia. <laughs> That's all I didn't know I ever wanted. <laughs> but I have to have it now. <laughs> Um, my closing thought is this book was good, but is it as good as The Project by Courtney Summers? Mm, I would say no. But they're both about cults. They're both <laughs> about cults. Yeah. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> both about cults and, and shadowy lakes. Uh... The Babysitter's Club is the cult. Yes. Just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, Christy is a very charismatic cult leader. She she really is, and she will kill you if you try to leave. <laughs> Again, Stacy and the bad girls. <laughs> um gosh i'm i'm just i'm so happy that courtney came on the podcast this is uh, like honestly i feel like now we can just end the podcast because this was everything that i've been working toward uh, and now i'm but what will i get to listen to you have to keep going on for courtney <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> oh my gosh okay well and i and i guess i have to keep going to get to next flashback summer so that you'll come back and do a singular goosebump with us <laughs> yes i absolutely want i god i just have to pick the right one i have to make sure it actually scares you no <laughs> it won't i promise it won't take very much to actually scare her. <laughs> oh i'm so ready for this bring on 2022 <laughs> all right yeah you have you have a year to reevaluate the collection and and pick your choice and you have a year where you can't take it back. <laughs> okay. Well, um, if you want to come talk to us on social media and maybe suggest a goosebump or uh, whatever, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers spelled normally. And we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because... Um, the S was written on a on a note in Logan's handwriting, and it was really upsetting, so we threw it away. <laughs> totally understandable. <laughs> uh, we have a Goodreads group that you can get to by going to our website, wearsbestsellers.com. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where podcasts are. Wherever you're listening to it now, you can probably find more of them there. You do subscribe if you take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, we're going to tell the Stony Brook Police Department on you, but it probably will be fine. They probably won't do anything, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our editing service and host our website and all sorts of stuff like that. And in return, you get some perks as well. Uh, We also have merch available. If you go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch, you'll find our storefront where you can get all sorts of things from our podcast to wear on your body. And finally, we have a Discord group that you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com where you can join us on the Discord and talk about, you know, episodes, uh, television shows that have nothing to do with anything that we talk about on this show, basically whatever you want. Yeah. Right now, there's some Ted Lasso talk happening. Get in on it. That show. Just watch the first episode of second season. So good. I haven't watched it yet. Support Ted Lasso, but support this podcast first. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Okay. And finally, if you you want just me personally, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Renata Snacks. If you want me personally, I'm on Instagram mostly at 14 across. I'm not really on Twitter very much anymore. And Courtney, where can we find you? I'm on Instagram at Summers Courtney, and sometimes I'm on TikTok at The Courtney Summers. Ooh, I can't so, believe those are words I just said. But. So, <laughs> so cool and youthful. And you can find her books at the bookstore or library. And if I haven't made this clear, you really should read them. Yes. Uh, we will see you in two weeks where we'll be finishing up Flashback Summer, talking about the Buffy tie-in novel Halloween Rain by Christopher Golden. And it's going to be a good time with a favorite Worst Bestsellers guest. So you should tune in. And Courtney, thank you again so much for joining us. Truly dream come true. Thank you. It's my dream too. We had a lot of good things to happen here. It was so much fun. Thank you. Bye. 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 You can have an eye patch all you want, but just don't mutter death threats to teenagers.